everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody doing? Big Dave Lemon. From South Florida, another edition of Poker Action Line. Joe is uh, out of town this week, so I will be flying solo here in the studio. And uh, I do have a guest tonight, uh, Sherry Bykowski, who we've had on a couple of times. Actually, it's been a very long time. It's been almost uh, 14 months, I think, since we last had her on. But uh, at that time, she was publishing a book called The Kaizen of Poker that she wrote, How to Continuously Improve Your Hold'em Game. And uh, we will talk a little more about that and some of the things. I know Sherry played in uh, a couple of events up at the Borgata uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I was just kind of curious as to finding out what the scene was like out there. Things are changing all the time in the world of poker. And uh, the Borgata has been uh, really one of the uh, great tournaments for a long time. One of the traditional stops for a lot of people. They are hooked up with the WPT. Had a kind of a bizarre ending to the main event. We'll talk about that a little with Sherry and a, and a few other things. But stuff is going on down here in South Florida. Of course, we're just around the corner from the Seminole Hard Rock opening their big guitar hotel, which will be open on October 24th. So we're not too far away from that. They will have some big things going on there. They open a new whole new uh, Hard Rock Live for concerts. The first show is the following night with Maroon 5. So... Uh, big name uh, bands coming in here now. You you see some of these uh, casinos, and one I work at, in fact, is is a perfect example of that. Is they like to have the shows, but they can't really afford a real popular band, so uh, they get these tribute bands in there that do these uh, classic albums and things like that. So they're pretty good usually, and uh, the the bands are very talented, but. You know, you're not going to see the Stones there or uh, anybody like a, a real rock band that that's famous and and expensive, quite frankly. Uh, anyway, stuff going on down here. The sister property for the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood is Seminole Coconut Creek, and they are currently hosting uh, the circuit event there, the WSOP circuit, and they're quite a ways along. Um, events six and seven started today. They have five in the books. And they still have the uh, main event still to come. So that's coming over the weekend. I'll be stopping over there. I think the uh, day two will be on Sunday and day three on Monday. So probably finish things up either Monday night or on Tuesday. I'll try to get over there and get a look at it and see what's happening with some of the people there. Um, One of the things I noticed is that even though we have a lot of well-known popular players here in South Florida, that a lot of the early winners here are people I never heard of. Uh, I guess there's... Nothing wrong with that because it certainly shows that a lot of people are starting to uh, pick up the game and we're developing new talent and new stars in the game of poker, and it's a good thing. I can tell you that uh, the opening event uh, was won by Alan uh, Nelson, who defeated 199 players to win his uh, first circuit ring. Uh, Harjinda Chawala was the winner of event two. Zach Mullenix won event three. Scott Roberts took his second circuit ring in event number four. And rent, uh, event number five went to, uh, here's a good one. Let's see if I can say this one. Wanlop Fonforn Withun. Uh, I guess he's probably from uh, Malaysia or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> those were the early winners there. Uh, later on in the show, we'll talk about some of the other circuit events that were completed. They had an event up in uh, Wisconsin and Milwaukee area. And uh, another one in Thunder Valley out in California. So... Uh, they keep continue to uh, hand out those gold rings, and uh, it always seems like our friend Maurice Hawkins is right there trying to reach out and grab one of them himself. But uh, we will talk more about some of the results uh, coming up, and uh, certainly looking to the Seminole Hard Rock and what's going on there. So uh, several other things happening in the world of poker. Uh, we know that the WPT is uh, going strong still. Uh, I want to talk about that a little bit later, but the biggest news right now in the world of poker is that the the Rio was sold. We've been talking about whether the the World Series of Poker in the summer would be coming back to the Rio or not, and we really didn't know how that was going to shake out. But Caesars, who owned uh, the Rio uh, in Las Vegas, uh, off the strip there, 
has sold the Rio to a company uh, called uh, Imperial Companies. It's a New York-based real estate operation, and it was sold for $516.3 million. Wow. Anyway, as part of the deal, Caesars will continue to run the hotel and the casino and uh, apparently the World Series of Poker. There are a lot of rumors going around that the this year's uh, summer tournament there was going to be the last one and that they were going to try to find another place to play. But uh, apparently Caesars will pay $45 million in rent for the first two years as an option for $7 million in rent for the third year. So that would allow them to retain the rights to the WSOP brand and have it right there at the Rio maybe for a few more years. We'll see what happens on that. Um, people should feel confident that the WSOP will be at the Rio said Seth Polanski, who is the uh, VP of Corporate Communications for the WSOP. And uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest with you. Uh, A lot of people felt that the Rio had run its course, would like to see it go somewhere else, like maybe the MGM or or some other big property on the Strip. But uh, I don't know. It feels like home to me. But... uh, uh, MGM is still considering selling two of their properties on the Strip, the Bellagio and the MGM Grand. There's talk that they could sell that to the group, the Blackstone Group, which owns a lot of hotels. They own a couple of big uh, hotels here in Boca Raton. Uh, We're talking $7 billion for those two properties. That's some of the rumors. So uh, all these things changing out there. I'm not sure if it's because... uh, the online world of gambling is starting to explode. The sports gambling is uh, taking off in a lot of different states. And it's just like you don't have to go to Vegas or Atlantic City to gamble now. You can get it pretty much in almost any state. And uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, that's the big news. Caesar selling the Rio, uh, saying that the World Series of Poker will be there next year and for hopefully years to come. But uh, the new group, who knows what they're going to do. It's a group called Imperial Resorts. Imperial Companies, a New York-based company as well. Uh, Our guest tonight, Sherry Bykovsky, I want to bring her on, uh, has written the Kaizen of Poker. Uh, Kaizen, a Japanese word uh, meaning improve continuously. And uh, Sherry, thanks for being back on the show. Uh, Look forward to talking with you again. As I mentioned to you briefly, Joe is not here tonight, and uh, you are one of his very favorites. He loves the book. He got his autographed copy, which I know is right up on the mantle, and uh, we appreciate you coming back on the show. Wow, thank you so much. It really is a pleasure, always. Uh, But unfortunately, he's going to kill me when he gets back and realizes that I booked you on the show. But uh, uh, I was... uh, Again, reminded of you uh, in the Borgata tournament when I saw your name in the chip counts, and uh, I was very happy to see that. And uh, it probably wasn't your best tournament of all time, as you mentioned to me before the show, but uh, tell us a little bit about playing in that uh, event. I know you've done it for several years, and, uh, and how you did this year. Well, this is the first time playing in the main event. Oh, oh it is. The thing okay. is that I'm so busy. Yeah, I'm really busy with my literary agency, and usually I just have time to play maybe one black chip or one other, a ladies' event, uh, maybe an occasional other one. I almost never do the first one, but uh, I've, I've won seats since the World Series twice, every time I've tried, and I've gone out to Las Vegas, and this time it was my birthday, and I told my husband for my birthday, I wanted to have a two-week staycation um, and, and, and pretend it's like my World Series of Poker. Just play as many events as I want and try to win some seats. Because uh, I had some good, uh, good performances in the prior uh, series that they had, the prior Open, where I won the ladies' tournament, and I, and I won a seat into the Almighty, and I cashed in the Almighty. So this time, I wanted to win a seat into the main event, which I did. I also won a seat into the Almighty, and uh, truthfully, I can't remember. I think I cashed, um, and I didn't even get to play the ladies. I, I tried the uh, Purple Chip Bounty Tournament. So um, I think my best tournament series right now would be uh, my experience winning the ladies tournament at the series right before that. And in this case, um, I was pleased to win a seat. Like almost every time I try to win a seat, 
I win one. And that's, I'm very proud of that. But no, I didn't cash. I didn't even bag up chips. It was like an hour before they bagged up chips. I fizzled out and not even sure. I'm not even sure why. I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I hate to say it. It wasn't my best. Tournament day. Well, I want I want to touch uh, on the on the main and how that finished in a, in a minute or so. But I'm first of all, uh, just to let people know about your background. You know, I, we've had you on twice, and it was right around the time your book came out last summer. I think we had you on the day before it came out, and then we had you on like a month later to see what the reaction was and that sort of thing. Uh, what was the reaction? Did you you said you were going to call and find out how many books they printed and uh, how you how you were doing on sales and you don't have to get into exact numbers, but uh, do you feel like it's it's been a success for you the book uh, Kaizen and Poker? Well, a lot of people give me good reviews. They seem to really like it, and uh, I'm really glad you guys like it. Um, I don't think it's sold that many. The publisher is in uh, is in Canada. So maybe a couple thousand copies, which, you know, I'm pleased enough. I, I'm just really glad that it's out there, and I think it's beautiful. They're a wonderful publisher to work with. I just had a book signing recently in Brigantine, and I've been teaching poker at Stockton College in Atlantic City oh, wow. um, in their continuing studies program. And so uh, I'm really glad. It's hard to write a book uh, <laughs> but uh, when people tell me that they're winning and they learn from it, uh, and it's all about improving, which I am really, really into myself. The most recent thing I did to improve my game was I started to really look at positions. I mean, of course it's important. Everyone knows it's important. But I really think of it as almost the most important thing now. Uh, when I when I start, when I decide the hand I'm going to play, not just as a starting hand, but how it's going to play out like the chess. If I do this, they do that. What position will I be when that happens? And I try not to get involved out of position. And if I am, I kind of have a strategy for winning the hand, depending on what the flop is. Well, let's uh, let's let's let's, let's, let's save the strategy stuff for a little bit. I'm, I wanted to delve in a little bit to uh, yeah. the book publishing industry just briefly. Uh, you've okay. been a, you've been a literary agent for thirty or forty years. You've worked with a lot of top authors. Uh, you talked about Leslie Rule that uh, he did some crime books with. You've done poker books with Phil Hellmuth and and a uh, good friend of yours, Lou Krieger, that passed away. We've talked about some of those. You've written yeah. some a couple things with, with Lou. Uh, is this your first book nope. that you wrote all by yourself? All by your little self? Well, no. I've written, I've written about 35 books. Wow, Four okay. of them on poker. And this is my first poker book that I wrote all by myself. Okay, okay. Uh, and even in this book, there's a chapter that, that, uh, that was written by Lou Krieger, the math chapter. Okay. The publisher wants to adapt from Secrets the Pros Won't Tell You about winning holds in poker. And I just created the, this strategy of targeting 38 areas that you need improvement on and then all the different tips that gathered from me and from Lou Krieger. Um, you can just go to the area that you need and focus on ways to improve. And so it's not like a cover-to-cover -cover kind of read. It's it's just sort of a program for targeting and improving. It's kind of personalized, like a, like a personal lesson. And I'm just so proud of just coming up with that. And it, I'm really, yeah, and it helps me. I mean, well, the book because no matter how good you are, you always get better. The book you wrote with Lou, Secrets the Pros Won't Tell You About Winning Hold'em Poker, is out there and a great book as well. Uh, ECW Press is the publisher and uh, people can uh, either look it up uh, on their site at ecwpress.com or check out all the major sites uh, for this one, the Kaizen of Poker. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you was, uh, are you one of those people that has a whole wall of shelves just loaded with books? Obviously, you've worked on thousands of books, and I'm sure you got a copy of most of them. Uh, do you have like a whole wall that uh, of, of uh, hardback, soft? paperbacks, all kinds of things uh, on your wall? I, I used to have 
full a full wall in my office, which was near the Empire State Building, a full wall of books. And at home, I had a full wall of amazing oak shelves, wall-to-wall books. And then I moved to Atlantic City. I used to have one of every book I represented at least. Now, I just finally gathered about all the 35 or so books that I've written, and I put them all on two different shelves. And I'm still missing about three. So I don't even have every book I ever wrote, much less. <laughs> I've really pared down. I, I did the Marie Kondo method of, uh, right. of downsizing. Yeah, and it feels I, really good. I've read some of her stuff. Uh, what do you think about the publishing business? Now, life has changed, obviously, uh, you know, on warp speed for the last 20 years. But, but over time... Uh, people just don't read books anymore. They don't read newspapers. They may buy a few magazines here and there. But as a, a person that's been a literary agent for many years and been in the publishing business, uh, are you sad about that? I don't know if that's entirely true because I, I for one, I think I'm doing what many people are doing. I am listening to so many audio books. Okay. And I'm finding that I'm doing a lot of audio deals. I'm also doing a lot of international deals. And Leslie Rule's book is exciting to me. It's about to come out. It will be her first true crime book. It's funny. She's sending me a message just as I'm talking about her. (laughs) But uh, her mother was Anne Rule, the best-selling true crime writer ever. When her mom passed away, she kind of felt the bug. And so that's going to be called A Tangled Web. But I'm doing deal. I'm doing a lot of publishing deals, and for me, it's so much fun and gratifying. I teach getting published. I speak at conferences around the country, and so for me, I'm thrilled that I got involved in this. I mean, poker and publishing. I look. I work really hard, but I feel like I'm always on vacation. <laughs> That's um, funny. It's uh, a great life. <laughs> And living at resort with poker, like living in Atlantic City, nobody could even understand how wonderful it is. Well, there's lots of reasons. And, and that, I used to live in Manhattan. Right. <laughs> uh, there's lots of reasons that people uh-huh. do write books, and that's, uh, you know, at one time it was uh, to make a lot of money, and it's uh, certainly not the case anymore. Why did you write the Kaizen of Poker? Was it just you felt like you had all these ideas and things to share, and you just wanted to get them down, and it was kind of a cathartic type of thing? I think that's true, but also because the notion of that, just that that notion of Kaizen, that whatever it is you're doing, whether it's your business or you're or fixing your home or playing poker, you can always improve. And I felt very inspired when, when my dear friend Lou Krieger passed away and also Marty Edelston, the publisher of Boardroom Reports. He taught me about uh, Bottom Line Personal. He taught me about um, Kaizen, and it just felt like a light bulb went off over my head. When I thought of this method, I really wanted to put it down, and um, when I, whenever I write a book and whenever I sell a book for another author or I represent authors, it's always about the reader, like what's in it for them. It's not about becoming a published author. It's like putting something out in the world that's going to help people and outlast you. I I don't have children. Uh, I got married, though, and I do have wonderful grandchildren (laughs) through marriage, but I never changed a diaper. But, you know, in lieu of having children, I have these books that inspire people, and it's a wonderful feeling. It's hard work, but it's so worth it. It's so rewarding. And now my agency is keeping me busy in poker. I don't know if I'll write anymore. I mean, if I get so inspired that I want to, I will want to just talk about that subject and I just want to live it because it's like by the time you write it and then the publisher publishes it and then you have to pr- promote it, you have to feel passionate about the subject. Yeah, absolutely. It can't be just something to make money. We're talking with yeah. uh, Sherry, with Sherry Bykovsky. Uh, who at one time, as you mentioned, lived in Manhattan. Now I guess you're up on the Jersey Shore. So where do you play poker? Is it yeah. mostly at the Borgata? Or what is the scene like up there in that whole area? I know there's several places open in New York. I know the Encore up in Boston is doing very well. you got parks in Philly. What is uh, in your direct area, and uh, what is the what is the scene like these days? Well, in driving distance from me, 
My favorite places to play are the Borgata, which I play at 90% of the time. I also play when I just feel like a little, like a good restaurant and then just a little bit of one, two, no limit. I'll go to the uh, ocean. But I also like to go to Philly and and wait out the rush hour by playing at the Sugar House. I really like that. I really like playing there. Borgata, hands down, my favorite. And uh, the best dealers, and it's a great atmosphere. It's comfortable. They have so many games. You never have to wait to play 2-5 No Limit, which is my favorite, and the tournament series. So I'm really excited that I got to do that tournament series. And my, my authors put up with the idea that I was on the staycation. I'm going to do that again. I, I, I decided I, I, I love putting my efforts now into uh, tournaments also. I had kind of taken a little hiatus. I do miss... I do miss the sit and goes. I wish there were those again. Yeah, you don't see many. Yeah. And I came up with the idea. I think this should be a bounty sit and go. Wow. I would love (laughs) And everyone likes the idea, but nobody's ever offered it. I I guess this is kind of a. Oh, at the Borgata, the left. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I guess this is kind of a simplistic question, but that whole thing, uh, uh, that whole area up there. Uh, you know, with the Encore in Boston Harbor, uh, obviously that's changed the travel time for people that play up there. I used to live in Boston, and people that lived in Boston drove to Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun in Connecticut to play. And now they have places right around there. So is the game growing up in the Northeast? I have a feeling. Um, during the summer and the summer weekends, the Borgata is Packed. And during the series, it's packed and the games are fantastic. But every once in a while, it gets kind of empty at the Borgata, and it's like, wow, why? This is so weird. How come the room's only a quarter full? I'm always a little surprised when I see that. I mean, the games are still great, and still no waiting, you know, to play usually. Even no matter how busy they get, it's very rare to have to really wait. But um, they, I have a feeling that there are that there is some uh, cannibalization of players that they take away. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, uh, a couple things yeah. I wanted to talk about from the book. And uh, for those of mm-hmm. you that haven't heard of it or read of it, it's called the Kaizen of Poker. And that is a Japanese word for continuously improve. And uh, so that's the subtitle, How to Continuously Improve Your Hold'em Game. And uh, one little thing that stuck out to me as I was going through it again with a bunch of different stories. Now there's all kinds of, uh, you know, areas to discuss, and you do such a great job of being concise and a quick read, but still delving out a lot of information. But one thing really stuck out at me because I had a a hand that I played, and I'll tell you this quick story, is one of your tournament Mm -hmm. tips was notice everyone's chip stack at all times. For many reasons, but one of which mm-hmm. is the short stacks are more desperate than the big ones. But for me, it was a it was a big one that I didn't really notice. I was playing at a table, and I was under the kind of the idea, which is stupid to start off with, but I was kind of under the idea that it was a uh, shootout, and that uh, you know you had to win your table before everyone got together and played for the title. Uh, a guy came up to sit next to me, and this is another point that you make in the book too, is about. Uh, overestimating or underestimating another person. So this fella sat down to my right, and, uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm a racist person at all, but this was a very heavy black guy with uh, dreadlocks, and I know that I immediately underestimated him. Uh, He sat to my right, and a couple of hands in, I had pocket aces, and... He made a small raise, I think, on the hand, and I, I, I three-bet him, and it went around. He ended up shoving and after the flop, and my, my pocket aces got busted because he had king-queen, and there was a king-queen on the flop. So, uh, But the whole thing, that re- the point of the story is, since I thought it was a shootout, I figured that someone would only come to the table in kind of the middle of the tournament, and I was dominating the table. I had the largest chip stack was that it would be someone who maybe just entered the tournament uh-huh. had a starting stack. So I didn't really even look and notice how many chips he had. So I end up losing the uh-huh. hand with, with the aces, 
and uh, the dealer reached over and he said he starts counting on. He said he's got you covered, and I went what? Because <laughs> I had no clue whatsoever. Wow. I had no idea that he. And I would have played the hand. Obviously, would have played the hand differently. But uh, uh, that was one of the things I went back and read that section of your book, and that's something you constantly have to be aware of when you're playing in a in a tournament. Right, and every time you make a mistake like that, you have to just say, okay, next time, never again, just this once, that's it. <laughs> because not only that, out of position, I tell you not to call, don't play any hands. If you're a big tech, you don't have to rely on luck. And you, 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 can, uh, you can get away from aces or anything, just play small ball and chip up. And, and the only ones you're all in against are the short stacks, so that they're the only ones who are all in. You're never, even if you stay all in, the only one after you has a, like a tenth of your stack, they're the ones going all in if they want to call you. Yeah. So you're never all in. Well, so it, you have to rely on luck with the big stacks. Absolutely. With uh, with your book, it's uh, and I should have explained this from the top, but you have, I think, 36 different chapters with questions that form a checklist that you kind of need to look at, whether it's the morning after or uh, after you finish playing, and just kind of quiz yourself on things that you did right and did wrong. And one of them was the did you over or underestimate your opponents. Uh, and you said you love being right. underestimated. Tell me a little about that. Yeah. Yeah, because I usually try to set the image of, I call it fold for an hour, and that pretty much sets the image of uh, a typical woman. And most women don't bluff. Uh, if they bet and, they, and there's a flush out there, they've got the nut flush. They don't have a bad flush. They don't uh, play too many hands. They're very conservative with their money. And even most of the good semi-good players, uh, women can be – you know, you can typecast them for the most part. So I try to just be that player and let them think I'm just being there very, very tight and that I'm not capable capable of calling a raise uh, with a six, seven of hearts or something. Just They just think I, w- I wouldn't do it. And if I bet, they think I have it. So I almost never bluff. And I use that, I use that image that I've created uh, of... Uh, to uh, take a hand when I really need to. And I don't get caught because when they do decide they're going to look me up, they usually are not looking me up correctly. They're usually beat. So I, I get to, um, that's my best thing now. I'm good at reading the other players and, and taking control of the hand and not even letting them know I'm in control of it. So they call when they should fold, and they fold when they should call, and I pretty much know where I stand, especially now that I'm concentrating more on position. I, and the one time I played Delhamius, uh, we were in a, an exhibition tournament. I may have told you, but uh, I'll never forget it because he, he prided himself on reading players. But he's to this day, I don't. He probably still underestimates me. Thinks maybe I was lucky that time. But what happened was we played a whole tournament, and he thought he had a read on me. And um, and at one point, I just really needed to win the hand to get the chip lead because we were down to heads up, me and Phil. And I made a big bet with a queen three, queen high, no pair. And he was so sure I wasn't bluffing. He took his signature pocket nines, which I didn't even know because I don't follow these things. <laughs> he, he showed me his signature pocket nines, and he threw them in the muck, and I said, mm, good fold or something. I don't know. I didn't say anything. And then I won the tournament. Like, that was a pivotal hand. It wasn't the hand that I won with, but I did win the tournament, and he wasn't that happy. I mean, he's a fairly good sport about it, but he definitely wasn't happy. <laughs> and, um, so I... That, that was him underestimating me. Right. I won. Um, and she wouldn't bluff, but she would. She would and she can. The, uh, and that's what I try to teach people to do. Read these cards. Yep. Uh, the other thing I was going to say was uh, one of the things you and Joe talked about last time was, uh, you know, putting people on hands and uh, how well someone like a Daniel Negreanu does in anticipating what other people have. Uh, have you expanded on that in your in your play after writing the book? All the time, I try so hard to become a good reader of hands. It's 
totally requires um, putting your phone away. Your phone, it's like you wouldn't, if you were a brain surgeon, you wouldn't go to work and take your phone out every once in a while. So you go to work to play poker and the phone is shut off with no noise and it, you, it doesn't come out. And you really have to concentrate every minute to figure out people's range, what they do, like if you raise or if someone raises in this position, and then someone always calls. As soon as you see someone calling raises over and over, whether they're your raises or someone else, you, you start getting the you start reading their personalities. Oh, that guy is just floating on with the button, trying to see what happens with developing position. He's going to play position. That guy is going to try to win every. That guy wants to see every flop. That guy bluffs too much. That guy plays any two cards. That guy, if he bluffs, if he plays, he's got a head aces or king or a big hand. He only plays two cards. And that guy never calls. Never got a bad hand. And that guy's just really aggressive. With good cards, that guy is really aggressive with any card. So as soon as you know their personalities and what they would do, oh, and GTO poker, which I haven't really studied, but I recognize when I'm being done. I just stick to my old method of reading them. Sherry, Sherry, let me let me uh, hold you up just for a second because our uh, our connection has kind of deteriorated here in the last thirty seconds. Oh, uh, I tell you what we'll do is let me take a break. Can you stay on for about another five, ten minutes uh, after the break? Yeah. Okay. I'll put you on hold. We'll uh, hang up and call you back again, and uh, or we'll figure it out. It seems to be getting better, but I need to take a break anyway. So hang on. We'll be right back with you, and we'll finish things up after the break. Okay, great. Okay, Sherry Bakowski joining us tonight, and uh, we'll be back after these messages on Poker Action Line, we'll be back for more with Sherry and a few more things later in the show, so stick around. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Great party, huh, guys? Yeah, oh, yeah this is so great. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do say so myself. Um, hey, did you know that birthday parties actually help build confidence in kids? Um, yeah, I did know that. Did you know that giving kids less sugar before bedtime helps them sleep better? Right, of course. Yeah, I knew that. Um, Did you know that strollers have the right of way on sidewalks? Oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Did you know that friendly kids statistically have more friends? (laughs) Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Pretty obvious. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? I didn't know that. I think I knew that. No, no, you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon along with Sherry Bykowski joining us by phone from uh, up in New Jersey area. And uh, her book is The Kaizen of Poker, How to Continuously Improve Your Hold'em Game, published by ECW Press. You can find them on their website at ecwpress.com or uh, check out uh, Amazon or uh, any of the bookstores. I don't know how many people go to bookstores anymore, Sherry, but uh, uh, I'm sure uh, there's a copy of The Kaizen of Poker sitting there. I hope so. I, I don't know where there's a bookstore either. That is sad. It's true. It's, life but has changed. at least their books are available. Yeah, my books are on Audible right now. A lot of books, a lot of really good books. 
I listen to them when I drive to Florida. I, uh, I I thought I would never do that because uh, I listen to podcasts and uh, music in the car mostly. But uh, uh, I think maybe that's the way to go, really, if you spend a lot of time in a car. Um, do you find that uh, you're entertained by some of the fiction books that more than you might be if you uh, just sat down and read them at the beach? No, I, I do read a lot of novels, um, and I ask. Because I represent authors, so they send me novels, and I always ask for hard copy. I don't want to read on a Kindle. I don't want to read on my computer screen. So they send me manuscript, and I read those. So when I'm in the car listening to a book, it's usually a book about poker or uh, or on organizing or self-improvement I try, or business. I try to listen to uh, nonfiction in the car and learn things, or the news. I listen to the news, and... I, I don't listen to a lot of music. I don't know how I know the words to every song I ever heard because <laughs> I don't listen to a lot of music. <laughs> Some people have those kind of minds, that's for sure. Uh, listen, I wanted to yeah. uh, I want to touch on this uh, Borgata tournament since you played in the main event, and uh, a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, there was a there was a uh, play in Fallsview, which is also uh, New York, uh, Canada border, I guess, up there by Niagara Falls. Uh, last year, where two players were heads up for the title, they wanted to chop, and and basically one of the players just would raise and then fold hands to try to get rid of the chips and dump them to the other guy. It was it was uh, they called it chip thumping 101. And uh, Mike Lea was uh, Canadian, was actually the winner of the tournament, and said, uh, you know, hey, you know, if we wanted to chop, they, if they just would have let us chop, we wouldn't have had to do that. Uh, as it turns out in the tournament you played in, they had the final table, which is televised, and they got down to the final three. They took an unexpected, what they called an unscheduled break, which obviously was to make some kind of uh, ICM deal on the side, and then they came back and played about, uh, I guess they played about 17 hands, and then finally they came into a hand where one player had 5-3 offsuit, another one had jack-3 offsuit, and another had 10-4 offsuit. So, no, it had really had no business playing those kind of hands, really. Uh, and the flop came king 5-3, so the, the player with 5-3 was sitting pretty. But it turns out uh, that the player who had the 10-4 ends up winning the tournament because there was a six on the turn and a, and a deuce on the river. Uh, my question to you, really, is for such a tournament that's been around for 18 years on the World Poker Tour one of the biggest tournaments with one of the hugest prizes. Um, isn't that kind of a sad way for a tournament to play out? I have. I understand your point. I have a slightly different take on it. Okay. Because I, I experienced that very thing at the Borgata. Let me tell you what happened to me. Um, first of all, I've won several ladies' tournaments, several first place and several seconds and thirds. And um, when I'm at the final table with women, they are the best players ever. Final table with women is phenomenal games. So, and, and they're usually the same people. So um, I, I remember like a year ago, I said in the morning, I'm going to go to the Borgata and I can see myself playing heads up with Sarah W. at the end of the day. And sure enough, I was heads up with Sarah and she won. But this time I said, I'm going to go win the ladies' tournament. I wrote it down in my log. And I went to the ladies' tournament, and Sarah was there, but thankfully at another table. She's always at the final table. And then there was another uh, another player named Nan Min, um, a really brilliant player. And I had my eye on her because I was at her table. Well, anyway, we came up, we were down to four people. And one of the ladies was really kind of lucked into fourth place. It's very hard to believe. She was very aggressive. But she was constantly making bad calls and, and getting so lucky and getting knocking people out left and right. And she had by far the highest chip count, but she couldn't hold on to it. So finally we got rid of her, and we were three ways, another player, Nan, and me. And those two players had far more chips than I with the, lower, with the lowest staff. And at the time, when, when you're down to three players or two players, whether you have the chip lead is huge. It doesn't matter if you have one more chip than the other player. Having more to take them out is everything. 
So they, they wanted to do a deal um, where I would take a little bit more than third, you know, just anyway, it wasn't a great deal, and they didn't want to do it. I was so low. Anyway, Nan knocked out the other woman. I was heads up with Nan, and she had way more chips than me, and she offered me a deal. She said, um, because there's such a big discrepancy between first place and second place, it's 2500 versus 4500 about. And she said um, she would do a deal with me, and I would take 600 more than second place, and she would get the first place prize. And I said, you know what? She, she was maybe underestimating me. She had no idea. I said, you know what? I, I really appreciate that. It's really fair of you, but I think I could win this tournament. And so let me, for $600, let me go for it. It was so amazing playing heads up with her. So we played for a little while, like an hour or an hour and a half. And uh, and then I saw the tournament chip count was about like 3 million chips. I don't know. But we each, oh, it was 4 million chips. I counted my chips and I had 2 million. I had more than 2 million. So I knew I had the chip lead. And I said, you know, why don't we just stop and count our chips? And she said her chips also counted a little bit more than two million. We were dead even. I know I had more than two million. Wow. So um, so why don't we do a deal? You wanna um, you wanna just split the money, even, and play for the trophy? She said yes. So we told the floor at the Borgata we wanna we wanna do that. We wanna just split the split the prize pool and play for the trophy. And they said we don't allow that. Too bad. Uh, the only way you can do that, if you want to do a deal, we'll let you do it. But you can you split the money. We'll even give you the proper W nine, so you're only claiming the amount that you're actually collecting. But you're going to have to flip for the trophy. You know, both go all in on the one hand. Whoever wins it wins the trophy. And since we were dead even, it would have we could have really played another five hours heads up, back and forth and back and forth. We were both good enough to do that. Patient as anything. So it was already, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning, and we decided we were going to leave it up to fate. So we both went all in, and that's how I got my first place trophy at the Borgata. Was that the, so turn- kind of, uh, was that the tournament that yeah. uh, you knew uh, you had a dream the night before that Sarah was going to be at the final table and that you were going to win? No, Sarah was going to be at the final table, and I didn't think I was going to win, and that's what happened the time before that. Sarah won first, and I was second. This time I wrote in my book, I'm going to Borgata to win the ladies' tournament. I actually posted on Facebook, my log. I wrote that entry in that morning, and because I'd written that, I think I felt like the poker gods are going to be with me. If we did that flip, I would win. I was destined to. And because I felt like I had a few more chips than her, because I know I had well more than half. Like, she said hers stacked up and added up to more than, I mean, it's truly as dead even as could be, but we didn't count it down to the tip. I just felt that a couple bit, a couple more, which actually gave me the first place bleed by a couple chips. Uh-huh. And um, so we flipped. We, you know, they call it a flip, go all in, whoever wins, wins, and that was me, I, or that was I. I won the first place that way. I mean, it's a little anticlimactic. We really wanted to play for the trophy, use all our patience, but it's a huge discrepancy. We each got 3600 instead of 4600 and 2400 You know what I mean? It was a huge right, amount. Right, right, right. We're both equal. I mean, I'm, and I think it's nice that the Borgata left you. I, I think it would be nicer, though, if yeah. they would let you play for the trophy. Yeah, so they, they really should. A lot. They, they have the dealer. They really they should. They have the dealer. That, you know, they're, they're, they're giving you the table. The dealer's dealing. Really could be hours and hours and hours. Maybe it's not exactly fair to them or the dealer. I, that must be the, why they don't let you. Uh, the book is so, the Kaizen. The book is the Kaizen of Poker, uh, Sherry Bykovsky. Let's just close with one more question here. Um what kind of response did you get from people who read the book and they picked out a particular chapter that really helped them? Did you get any kind of uh, feedback like that from people? I think, well, just like you told me before, I think I've heard about people telling me that they're paying so much more attention to trying to read the other players. They didn't think they were able to do that. They didn't realize how much was involved. And I teach people how to bluff, how to bluff effectively. And I, I do get – and people find it so interesting. Even people who don't play poker like to hear about my bluffing technique. 
And it's very gratifying. I, I really, I, I, I have a guy who tells me he wins a lot of tournaments in Michigan, and he's my fan. I mean, it's really cool. I, I love having poker fans. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, maybe I should start traveling again and, and meeting <laughs> some of them. Well, we appreciate you being but, with us. I know that uh, the next time I get Queen Four in a tournament, I'm definitely going to shove. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was just a big bet to win that hand, an important hand. You want to you want to win when you feel you can get away with it if you have a tight enough image, make a big enough bet that they can't possibly call. Like they 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 have to believe that there's no way their pocket nines are could win when you make a bet that big. Right, absolutely. In a convincing way. <laughs> 36 questions okay. on the uh, morning check, the morning after checklist. Uh, you know, it's it seems like some of these things overlap. There's no reason that you need to look up every single one if you did a pretty good job of uh, of uh, agreeing to the basics and that sort of thing. But uh, it it really uh, adds to uh, you know learning the game and getting better all the time. And uh, I'm thrilled that you had a chance to uh, get that all written down and published. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm improving all the time, and uh, next time I speak to you, I'm going to win my seat, and then I'm going to win that tournament. So Absolutely. I'm telling you right now. Okay. <laughs> I'll call you first thing. Okay. <laughs> Sherry Bykowski, thank you so much for uh, being on tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a million, Dan. Okay. We'll talk to you. Uh, the Kaizen of Poker is available at uh, books to where you get your books, all bookstores, and uh, they have an e-book. Also, uh, where you can get your hands on that as well, check the, the website of the company, ecwpress.com. Uh, Sherry's been a literary agent and has worked uh, on over a 1,000 books, getting the authors hooked up with the publishers and getting things done. So if you're in the writing business, maybe you uh, check out her book and drop her a line as well. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe she'll be published. She'll help getting your, your next book published as well. Uh, let's take a final break on the show, and we'll close things up when we get back. Uh, appreciate Sherry taking the time being with us, and I will talk with you on the other side. We'll be back right after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer could purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. Hi, this is Ronnie Wood of the Stones for RAD. You know it's okay to rock and roll and party, because I do it all the time. Just let someone else do the driving. That's what I do. Remember, rock lives, and you should too. Please don't drink and drive. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. 
My thanks to Sherry Bykovsky for joining us once again on the program. Uh, I was looking at her record, uh, and uh, she did win that uh, ladies' event at the Borgata Winter Open, I guess was the last one. And uh, before that, she finished second in uh, another ladies' event. The uh, That was, uh, let's see, that was the uh, Borgata Ladies Go First in uh, July, last July of 2018. So she's had some very deep runs in some ladies' events and also some, some open events as well. And uh, we enjoy her book a lot. Uh, she sent Joe an autographed copy, which he uh, loves. And uh, we certainly will have her on again and get into some more strategy things. I'm not the best at talking strategy since Joe handles a lot of that. Uh, I would have liked to get a little more into some of the talk on playing in position uh, that she mentioned, but uh, uh, I didn't want to dig too deep into make make an ass out of myself. But uh, <laughs> we appreciate Sherry coming on, and uh, we will definitely will have her again down the road. Uh, a couple other things I want to talk about. I did mention uh, a couple of weeks ago about the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure, which normally is in January. Uh, they are not going to play that anymore. Uh, really has nothing to do with a big storm in the Bahamas because uh, the island that was hit was Freeport and Marsh Harbor and a couple of those. And uh, the uh, the area where the uh, PCA is down in uh, uh, Nassau was not uh, hit as, ba- as badly and, and there was no damage to the hotel. But uh, they felt like after a 15-year run it kind of ran its course and uh, they will not be having that anymore. One of the big things was that they held this a uh, very successful Poker Stars Players Championship there where they had the uh, $30,000 packages they gave out throughout the year. That was very uh, successful, but they are moving that to Barcelona next year. So uh, there was talk about this for a while, but uh, that tournament is over. So uh, there's always a lot of competition with the Aussie Millions and, and a few other big tournaments in January, so uh, that will not be on the schedule anymore. And the... PSPC is still around. That will be big next year, and that will be at Casino Barcelona next year. So uh, that is one story that is out there. I mentioned earlier the story about uh, the Rio being sold, but probably will not affect where they play the World Series Poker. They'll probably host it once again next year, and I guess more news is still to come out about that, but uh, we'll wait to see what happens with that. The other thing I wanted to mention was a big uh, charity tournament that's going to be played down here very soon. That is the Deep Stack Charity Classic, one of the most well-known tournaments, the Howard Frank Memorial Tournament. This year will be the 11th year for that. Of course, my friends over at uh, the Todd McClellan Foundation have been on almost as long. They still play that in the West Palm Beach area. But this one was played for many years up at uh, Daytona Beach, uh, they are located, they're headquartered in Ormond Beach, but a couple, last year they moved it to uh, Pompano Park, uh, Pompano, the Isle Casino at Pompano Beach, and they will be back there once again with the tournament, and the dates of the tournament uh, will be the, uh, November 7th through the 10th. It's one of the great tournaments. They may be sold out already by now. I don't know, but... Uh, uh, $275 is the buy-in, but they have an incredible array of prizes, uh, including uh, they gave away a car a couple of years ago for a diamond uh, uh, royal flush, and uh lady won a $100,000 prize package. I believe they're having that again. Uh, if the first royal flush that occurs on the flop will win a $15,000 jewelry shopping spree, and if it's a diamond royal flush, you'll get a $100,000 prize package, a magnificent luxury vehicle with a trunk full of cash. So uh, one of the great tournaments of all time. And uh, the special guests that have uh, been there for many years and will be back again are Linda Johnson and Jan Fisher. Uh, Phil Helmuth, who we mentioned uh, in our conversation with Sherry, is also going to be there. Norman Chad will be there. And new this year is the Ambassador of Poker, Mike Sexton, will be there. So they have different people that... uh, are there for several different tournaments. Uh, at one time, it was just a one-day event, but now there are several days there. Uh, the 7th through the 11th is where it runs. They have a Beat the Brat tournament that Phil hosts, a Legend of Poker tournament, a VIP Celebrity Invitational, and they have a horse tournament. So uh, check that out. If you go to the website, it's uh, www.deepstackcharityclassic.com. 
dot com. And uh, $275, I think, if you uh, enter early, if there's still a chance to do that, you can get about 20 bucks off. So uh, this will be the 11th anniversary of that tournament. It's down here in South Florida at the Isle Casino. Uh, a couple other things I'll mention is some of the uh, circuit events that uh, I didn't. I, I never finished up the, uh, the Borgata story. The winner was Donald Maloney, a former professional hockey player, who uh, ended up collecting $487,000 in the chop. He's credited with uh, over 600000 for the win, but uh, kind of shady finish there. And uh, he defeats uh, Uke Doughty and Kevin Albers in the top three. That was with the chop. And then uh, also at that final table was Dave Farah finishing fourth. Jerry Maher was fifth. And Victor Ramden, probably the most uh, well-known player there, uh, was the was the sixth-place finisher. Uh, other tournaments, uh, we have the, uh, besides the Seminole Hard Rock, which is going on now, and we'll be following that main event over the weekend, uh, they had a series at uh, Potawatomi in, uh, outside of Milwaukee, and the winner of that one for 138000 was Richard Bai. Uh He was the vin- winner there. I, I can't give you uh, the names of a lot of people that you might be familiar with uh, in the final table of that one. But uh, a little bit of a smaller tournament, I guess, uh, 447 entries in that one. And they also played, just before that, at Thunder Valley, which is out in California. It's outside of Sacramento. And the winner of that one was Paul Richardson. Uh, let's see what the total on that one was. He collected 130000 for his victory out in California. They had 414 players in that main event out there. And he defeated Arish Knott and Travis Fujisaka for the title in that one. And the next event on the tour, just getting underway, is the Horseshoe Southern Indiana, which I guess is outside of St. Louis, really. It's uh, in Indiana, actually, but it's not far from uh, St. Louis. So uh, that will be uh, the big event there, and it gets underway and they play their main event on October the 4th and October the 5th. 11 a.m. starts for the $1,700 main event, and that is the event in Horseshoe. Uh, but kind of getting our focus right now is the Coconut Creek, Creek Tournament, which is uh, not far from the studio where we do the show here. So I'll be heading up there next, uh, over the weekend and into Monday and Tuesday when they finish up their main event there. So that's basically the news of what's going on in the world of poker. We do want to thank Sherry Bykowski for joining us tonight, and we look forward to a lot of events. Uh, haven't really followed the World Series of Poker, what they're going to do for uh, main event shows, whether they're going to actually do that this year. Uh, I watched many hours uh, on the simul well, not the simulcast, but the uh, the uh, broadcast that they did during the tournament, and they had just about every day on. If you couldn't get it on w, on uh, ESPN, you got it on ESPN2, and then they had a lot of coverage on Poker Go as well. So uh, many, many hours. Uh, fun tournament this year in the World Series, and uh, Hossein Ensan getting the win there, and uh, one South Florida player at that final table, uh, Zhen Kai, was at the table, and... Uh, uh, if, you, if you've been listening to the show recently, I interviewed Tony Miles, who finished second in the 2018 event and uh, was on the rail for Zenkai. And uh, some interesting stuff went on there this year, but uh, um, I wonder if poker's dropping off a little bit. We've talked with Joe about this, that there could be an oversaturation. There's a lot of tournaments. Uh, the British poker uh, tournaments uh, over there, the British Poker Open, did not draw that well. And uh, there'll still be a lot of stuff going on. But to see the PCA drop off after so many years and, and a few other things kind of uh, makes you wonder how things are doing. We'll see what happens out there in Las Vegas with the Rio being sold and whether we'll uh, have the tournament there again next year. I believe we will. And uh, we'll see what happens. i got to get back out there. I haven't been for a couple of years now, so I'll plan on going out there. Gio, thank you for all your help on the show. We appreciate it. Joe will be back next week. We will be back for another show. Line up a few guests for you, and we'll be moving into the fall here on Poker Action Line. Thanks for being with us. I'm Big Dave Lemon. We'll see you next week on another edition of the show.
The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 